God's dwelling place among his people is established when the ark is installed in the new temple. Solomon prays for God's continued protection of his people. A reading from the first book of the Kings. Solomon assembled the leaders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the ancestral houses of the Israelites before King Solomon in Jerusalem, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands to the heaven. He said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth beneath. Keeping covenant and steadfast love of love for your servants who walk before you with all their heart, the covenant that you kept for your servant, my father David, as you declared to him. You promised with your mouth and have this day fulfilled with your hand. Therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep for your servant, my father David, that which you promised him, saying, There shall never fail you. There shall never fail you a successor before me to sit on the throne of Israel. If only your children look to their way to walk before me as you have walked before me. Therefore, O God of Israel, let your word be confirmed, which you promised to your servant, my father David. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house that I have built. Regard your servant's prayer and his plea, O Lord my God, heeding the cry and the prayer that your servant prays to you today, that your eyes may be open night and day toward this house, the place of which you said, My name shall be there, that you may heed the prayer that your servant prays toward this place. Hear the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place. O hear in heaven your dwelling place, Heed and forgive. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a distant land because of your name, for they shall hear of your great name, your mighty hand, and your outstretched arm. When a foreigner comes and prays toward this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all the foreigner calls to you so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, and so that they may know that your name has been invoked on this house that I have built. The word of the Lord. The psalm appointed for this morning is Psalm 84, found on page 5 of your service booklet. Please stand and sing.
When faced with the power of evil, Christians must stand strong, trusting in God's loving protection. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against the enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me, so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly, as I must speak. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. I said last week that we were done with the bread and wine readings out of John's Gospel. I was mistaken. We have one more Sunday, and then we'll finally get back to Mark. So if you can stand bread and wine one more Sunday... I want to start, though, with the um, passage from the Old Testament, from the book of Kings, about Solomon dedicating the temple. Um, Somebody said to me last week as we were reading about David and Solomon sort of um, in his vision 
um, saying to God, you know, my father, your servant David, walked in your ways um, before you all the days of his life. And somebody said, oh, really? The same David we've been reading about? I don't think so. But Solomon pulls off a shift in theology that's just magnificent in scope. All the time that David was king, the ark lived in a tent. Um, The ark was portable. It was on poles. It was the box in which uh, the the, um, stone of the covenant was, the tablets of stone of the covenant. And it was primarily an instrument of war. Um, It got carried into battle every time Israel went into battle. The priests would carry it into battle. Um, There was the the lots, Urim and Thummim, that were with the ark, and and there are all kinds of stories there in the Old Testament of David or the generals going to the priests and saying, is today a good day to engage in battle with the so-and-so? And they'd throw Urim and Thummim and say, yes, it's a good day, or no, it's not a good day. Where should we attack, here or there? so that the ark was seen primarily as an instrument of war. David was the first king to have a standing army. That's why he was able to conquer um, both Judah and Israel. And so God was primarily a god of war. And Solomon pulls off a shift. If you looked in your booklet, we leave out a lot of verses in that passage in Kings. And what Solomon says is, when there is a famine, And your people realize that they have sinned, and they turn back to the temple and pray to you, hear and forgive. When there is drought in the land, and your people realize they have sinned, and turn to you at this temple, turn and forgive. When there is plague, and your people realize that they have sinned, and they come to this temple and turn to you, hear and forgive. All of those have to do with agriculture. Solomon is able to turn God into a God of agriculture. From a God of war who lives in a tent, like the tents that the soldiers live in, always at the center of the camp, now to being in a building and a God of agriculture. I love the fact that when the priest comes out of the Holy of Holies, there's so much incense smoke that they can't stand there, um, pulling off this great mystery. And it reminds you, of course, of Isaiah his vision and the smoke fills the temple. Now all of a sudden God is fixed and a God of agriculture. But when anyone, foreign or included, turns to you at this temple, here in heaven, and forgive. That's how Solomon invokes his name, God's name over the temple. So remember that. Whenever anyone turns to you at this temple, hear and forgive. I said that we were done with John 6, but we're not. Um, We have this last one, and at this point, um, we're told that some of Jesus' disciples find this to be a hard saying, and they turn back from following him. It finally dawned on me what the hard saying is. It's not the cannibalism, eat my flesh, drink my blood, that's so bothersome. It's the fact that they're told to drink the blood. With the temple set up, as an agricultural thing, God instructed Israelites never, but never, to eat blood. Blood is life. Life belongs to God, and you will redeem whatever animal you eat by pouring out the blood at the base of the altar. 
And so to drink blood was to stand in the place of God, to take over God's role. No wonder some of Jesus' disciples heard this and said, this is a hard saying. Wine occurs only twice in John's Gospel, in chapter 6, which we've been reading, and in chapter 2, where Jesus turns water into wine at Capernaum. And we're told that he says these things teaching at Capernaum. Always in John's Gospel, when he does a sign, there's some discourse after it to explain the sign, except in the case of water into wine. The very next thing that happens is Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, he cleanses the temple, the people ask him, on what authority do you do this? And he says, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days. And they say, but this temple's been under construction for 46 years, how will you rebuild it in three days? His disciples remember after his death, he's talking about the temple of his body. So Jesus is saying, my body replaces the temple. And then in this passage, he's saying to us, you, the community, replace the altar. Where does the blood go? To you, the community. Whoever does not drink the blood has no life in him. So Solomon tells us that the temple is the mark of God's presence in the world. Jesus is pulling off just as radical a shift in theology. You are my presence in the world. So, whenever somebody turns to us, realizing that they have messed up and invokes God, we are to hear and forgive. Whenever there is drought, whenever there is plague, Whenever there is famine and someone turns here and invokes God's name, we are to hear and forgive. You all know that I don't like the song Onward Christian Soldiers. Um, growing up as a Nazarene, we used the image of crusades as evangelism. We were going to go out there and conquer the world for Jesus, right? Don't like that imagery. Well, Ephesians has that same armor imagery, and I think it redeems this a little bit for me, because we're not conquering people. The Crusades, you know, they were to go off and get the Muslims out of Jerusalem. And when they couldn't get to Jerusalem well, they turned and attacked the other Christians at Constantinople and burned it to the ground. What the heck? You know, one people's as good as another. Um, this says that our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our struggle is not with flesh and blood. But with the authorities, the powers, the cosmic, the cosmocrators, it says, that's a word for Caesar. Um, and the, the forces of evil in heavenly places. When someone turns to us and says we've messed up, hear and forgive is what's supposed to happen. When someone comes to us and says, I can't make this work, something has gone wrong, we are to take on the forces of evil. Um, Deb this past week was trying to find somebody who had come into the soup kitchen at Trinity to the hot lunch and um, was dying of cancer and needed uh, oxygen and the bureaucracy wouldn't give him oxygen. Couldn't get oxygen because he didn't see the same doctor to sign the order. People started calling the bureaucracies. They finally found this guy. He came into Barnes Hospital. He was living in an abandoned building. When we're going to do that kind of thing, we'd better bind on the belt of truth the blessed breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, because we're going to have to take on the powers that be. Um, dealing with kids in detention, 
whatever it is, whatever ministry we have out there in the world, when someone turns to us, plague, famine, whatever, something has gone wrong, and invokes God's name, we're now the altar. Hear and forgive. We better have some armor for that. The armor, the, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness under our feet, whatever makes us ready to proclaim the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, great imagery. We're not out there conquering people. We're out there conquering the forces of evil. We're the presence of God in the world. Whenever someone turns to us and invokes God's name, we are to hear and forgive. Amen.